What's up guys, Four Corners here. I am your host, Ray, so, uh, Solar Ray's on Twitter. Uh, check me out if you want to ever want to see me tweet about basketball or just public infrastructure. Uh, I'm joined by my co-host, Peter, Bucketson's 88. How you doing? Doing great. Beautiful Sunday morning. Uh, one of my favorite Sundays of the year that I look forward to every year, Selection Sunday. You know, one of the yeah. best uh, sporting events of the year that doesn't actually include any game action. Question. Uh, when Mardi Gras ends, is there just like the uh, the like pan flute music starting to play? Just like springtime? Like, no? I don't know about that, but they did already have a St. Patrick's Day parade yesterday. So oh. I don't know if this city ever stops partying. They're just on the grind. No one, yeah. no one works harder than the city of New Orleans to keep the party going. I commend that. Professional partiers. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Jared, our co-host, the guy that stirs our drink. How is it going? Um, I feel like we're quickly learning who is and who is not a morning person on this podcast. And what I've learned yeah. is that Peter is the only one. He, it's only it's, you and it's, me. It's, we're just kind of sitting here struggling I'm, pre-pod. Pre my brain works sometimes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's okay, because we have a uh, fun selection of topics today. We're going to get into a kind of breakdown of this week's action in the Nuggets universe, uh, talk about the upcoming game, maybe the game of the season in terms of MVP rates and Nuggets 76ers. That should be fun. Nicole Jokic versus Joel Embiid in the Thunderdome. Maybe the Munderdome. I don't know. We'll see. Is it? Is this in Philly? Or in Denver? It's in Philly. Oh, it's in Philly. Ah, it's not in the Munderdome. That's okay. Okay. Um, and then we have um, maybe a little uh, little secrets, little uh, some theories at the end we might want to share. But uh, let's start off with these games. We In the past week, the Nuggets have gone 3-2 and two with wins versus the Warriors, Kings, and Pelicans. Uh, followed by two losses versus the Raptors and uh, a second game against the Warriors. Uh, Peter, I'll start with you. Do you have any major takeaways just from this week of basketball? Um, not a whole lot. I mean, mostly that we're still like the Nuggets are a pretty resilient team, right? I mean, they mm -hmm. come into the year knowing that Jamal Murray's out. Michael Porter looks awful to start the year. They shut him down after nine games, and he has surgery, which at the time they said was season-ending. So that's a huge blow. The team is sort of struggling to find its footing, struggling to get its lineups down. Bench is terrible. You know, last couple of weeks, they really turned the bench around. They get the really good feel-good win right before the All-Star break against Golden State with the Monte game winner. And then they come back out of the break looking pretty good. You know, they go 6-1 and one in that stretch of, pretty easy games um you know the pelicans game was probably a game that they sh nuggets should have lost but Jokic was just absolutely dominant and says we're not losing and you know when when you know you guys have watched basketball long enough to know that when a great player decides he wants to take over there's nothing you can really do so yeah Jokic went as far as god mode good wins i, I think that's probably on the nuggets shortlist for the season um, yeah. In terms of just like tough moment, you're probably 
you know, you should lose, but they uh, <clears throat> they dig deep enough to pull that one out. Um, yeah. So I'll ask you this. The Warriors, the first game, do not, uh, not just don't play their primary guys, Steph Curry, um, obviously Draymond's out, but Clay Thompson. Do you feel like, in hindsight, after that next game um, that we ex- just experienced, do you feel like, in hindsight, we should have rested? No. I mean, you're, you're asking now for the, the when we had the four games and five nights? Yeah. No, I think that would have sent the wrong message. I think that that game was a big opportunity to cut another game off uh, from the Warriors' lead and uh, keep moving up the standings, hopefully. So I, I like the Nuggets going forward in that one. Gotcha. Interesting. I, I will admit I kind of stand on the other side of that. Um, it, it just and – I, and I get there is a lot of uh, chemistry and momentum sort of building effects that can be said for playing through a situation like that. Um, I can't help but shake that there's, you know, early on in the season, we talked about resting Jokic and that this season we're going to do it. And this season is going to be the year that, hey, we're going to keep an eye on his minutes, keep this man healthy, keep him fresh for the playoffs. If you were ever going to rest anybody, um, because I think there's limits, you know, uh, there can be an overdoing it of resting guys where you're not really getting the same level of uh, chemistry and team sort of uh, dynamic built by the season's end. I don't know if they're there. And I wonder if that second game against the Warriors, if that kind of has had a carryover into their night against the Raptors. And if that just means, you know, Nicola is just not going to get rest this year, which I understand in the sense that he's needed, but is that kind of like a missed opportunity on in a period where we're then going to have to go through a bit of a gauntlet coming down the stretch in terms of keeping our seat versus uh, the Timberwolves, which are now two games back, and um, balancing that with the appeal of kind of trying to supplant the Jazz, trying to supplant the Mavericks in their chase for the Warriors, sort of uh, maybe at first they could end up being a a team with a home court advantage in the playoffs. I think that's still on the table. Um, Jared, are you kind of, do you lean one way or the other in this? So I wouldn't have minded them resting it personally, but the one thing I would add that was on my mind when we were uh, talking about this as well was that was a night where there was only two games on the schedule and they were both primetime TNT games. And while I don't necessarily think the league is calling teams saying, hey, you're not resting today, Mm -hmm. I would not be surprised if there were certain like different levels of pressure to avoid resting on certain nights. And I think there are certain teams that care more about their national TV games than others. Like if you're the Lakers, who cares if you rest on a TNT game, you're going to get another one next week. I, I get the sense that the nuggets seem to, to care about performing well in those games, even though though they haven't the last few years and they, they want to put on a good, good TV product for those nights. 
So I, like I said, I that might be overthinking it to think that that was a part of the basketball decision. But I I get the sense that there there are teams that do and don't care about those national TV games. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair point, um, and I think there is a level, some ambient pressure, I guess, to, per, to right. perform on, on nights like that. Right, and maybe even it comes down to Jokic is like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to miss tonight. I know that people are watching right. me that don't normally get to. It could be a pride thing, it's just like a personal integrity and in saying, hey, this is my job and this is my league, and I want to be there for it um and to that point maybe there's another game where they could have rested i don't know um, well ray i think um yeah maybe this is a tiny conspiracy maybe it's not even a conspiracy even though okay. Jokic says he doesn't care about mvp which i believe him i think that michael malone cares deeply about nikola Jokic's perception in the entire basketball universe. Oh, yeah, so that whole organization mm-hmm. does. Yeah, And so sure. I think that while ideally, yes, there is a part of Malone's brain that would love to get Jokic rest, he's also a very in-the-moment, win-now guy. And he's like, yeah. oh, this is an opportunity for everybody to watch how good this guy is. I don't want to waste that. I don't want to take that away from him. And Jokic wants to be there for his team. But I want to back up just a sec to address your point about sure. the talking about rest going in here. If you remember all those conversations happened in the off season with the assumption that Michael Porter jr. Was going to be ready to take the next step. He was going to come in and be the co-star to Nikola Jokic with Jamal Murray out and, uh, you know, get his legs under him and then sort of have that free runway to run the bench maybe. And, uh, you know, be like the guy on g- games that Jokic takes off. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, when he got hurt, that changed everything. And the Nuggets just don't have the talent to, like, survive enough games without Jokic. I mean, he had that – was it a wrist injury where he missed, like, a week? I think the Nuggets yeah, went I think four yeah, by four. Yeah. They went, like, one and four when he was out. And it was not pretty. Like, it was just – it's just not a good team when Jokic can't play. So, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's just a situation that the Nuggets are in right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair because I think we as fans also kind of have a level of pride in that he does, you know, he is that Iron Man. He is that guy who's there night in and night out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess because I don't even think I want to be in this position, but I, I feel like there is a, there in an ideal universe, there's like a, a responsible person in the room who's responsibility it is to argue in favor of when Jokic should rest right and I don't think it should be you know fans are not shouldn't have to be they'll be like hey man I really wish he wouldn't play because it's not fun it's not fun to be like man I wish he would kind of on any given night be like I wish Nikola Jokic did not play tonight right I was Uh, at that game Thursday I inherently can't ask for him to rest that game (laughs) right um i just wish you know malone's is still young like a young coach uh and i think this might be part of it also is that um when i compare him to guys who would probably do something like that in terms of um seeing their superstar and seeing the longer view and and dialing that a little bit more it's probably something that's going to come over time and i hope 
that you know as Jokic ages, as Jokic ages, and as Malone ages, that there will be some nights where he can say, you know, let's figure something out without you because that'll be that can be fun too. And you know, I think um, especially if you're, for example, you're playing the Warriors without Steph Curry, without Clay Thompson. Um, it can be an interesting in the regular season challenge for guys on your bench who maybe don't get usual opportunities or guys who want a new uh, opportunity for growth to sort of being in a bigger role, uh, especially and, and kind of give we kind of saw that Will Barton, I think as much as he hasn't didn't look great last night, I think he's looked healthier having had you know, a little bit of time off, a um, little springier, a little bit more comfortable uh, going for dunks and attacking the rim and, and that sort of thing. Um, I hope it happens eventually, but yeah, not right now. It's not happening this year. It's, he's it's only, fun. correct me if I'm wrong, he's only quote-unquote rested one time, right? It was the back-to-back at Utah at the end of that long road trip where we'd already won so. like most of the games. Yeah. 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 Uh, anything else has been... I mean, even last year, I think it was like it's injury, it's suspensions, it's technicals. Um, Those those are what kept him out of playing more than him deciding to rest or the team deciding that he should rest. And I think the good news is I believe we only have one more back-to-back this year. Yeah. That's good. It's been a long year. Um, I hope he gets some rest eventually. I don't know. It's just I, I feel for him also. Yeah. Uh, well, at least with the play-in tournament, there is that week-long gap between the end of the season and the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Almost like as a second as, all-star break. Yeah, we should be out of it and, you know, not. Oh, yeah, wood. that's a good point. That's not guaranteed. Um, we, yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of variance in what could happen, right? We could be a top-four seed. We could be in the play-in. Uh, and I think that's the point. Uh, that's, that's why they want to do this and why – uh, I would say it's probably going to be uh, something that sticks as far as decision-making in the league. Um, speaking of, would you – we talked a lot last week about the sort of conferences being a little bit more competitive and, and how much more competitive they were. How long before we get rid of, or at least modify, the sort of framework of divisions and conferences, especially when we talk about like playoff seating? It's something Long I think about time. as far as Those like Eastern Conference owners aren't giving up that playoff money, or, and and if it flips, it'll be the same thing for the Western Conference owners that can barely sneak in. Well, yeah. if they go and add two more teams in the next few years that mm-hmm. would put the nba at 32 teams and yeah. then you would have two 16 team conferences so what i would like to see is for them to just go to two divisions in each conference eight teams each division because then i think you can stagger the schedule a little bit more so that you're playing more games against teams that are closer to you geographically. I mean, they already kind of try to do that as best they can. Right now you play four division games, uh, three against your own conference, and just one home and away against the other conference. 
And then there's like a couple of leftover games that you just end up playing random teams from your own conference a fourth time. Like we play the Warriors right. four times this year. They're not in our division. It's so not we, no particular reason. So yeah, look on you can look at that however you, you want to. You can look at it as like, oh, that's an extra marquee game, or you can say, Well, the Nuggets get screwed because the Heat get to play uh the Knicks. The Magic four times. Yeah, the Knicks four times. I don't know, something like that. I would love to um, play the Knicks four times a year. Right. Uh, so I would like to see it more teams in a division, less divisions, just go to four divisions total. And that way there are seven other teams that you're going to play four times and then they'll figure out the rest of the math. But uh, that's kind of a small change. I, I think you're probably thinking of something more bigger. Um, maybe. And I, I feel like the a lot of the challenge with changes is that it's hard to think of a good time. Um, but coming to your point, if they do end up adding teams, I, I think the way that changes, you know, the schedule in terms of uh, does it make, you know, do you play the number of games that that change um, and it, do statistics change and how do teams change? And it gives like an inflection of point where if they want to experiment, I think in a lot of ways, that'll be that good. might be the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be a good opportunity. Um, so. Tomorrow night. This is a uh, Sunday morning. Wait, 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 no, no, no. We we did. We you gotta know. get into last night's game first. Oh, oh no. we, do we? We, we have to do talk we? about last night's game. Oh, I'm sorry. You guys didn't want to talk about we it. A, oh, we man. played a game last night. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, yes. The, uh, the Nuggets played a game last night. It was against the Raptors. Uh, one twenty-seven, one fifteen in favor of the Raptors. How do you? I'll start with you, Peter, since you brought it up. Uh, how are you on a scale of one to ten? How upset are you by what happened? Ten being the most upset. Ten being the most upset. Oh, uh, like a like a two, two or a three. Not that upset. Um, Interesting. Let me, let me give you a half baked analogy, okay? Okay. What I saw last night was you have a great boxer in his prime. And in this case, the boxer in his prime are the Nuggets. And they're going up against a, a young up-and-comer who's taller and lankier. And you think the, the guy in his prime is going to win. But the taller, lankier boxer is able to just keep the guy at bay with his jab. He's just The guy keeps trying to get in, and he just he can't get there because his jab is so long. The Raptors mm -hmm. have so much length, right? So much length and athleticism. And the Nuggets just couldn't keep them off the boards. They got out-rebounded 50-39. to 39. And, you know, a lot of Nuggets fans were frustrated that they didn't give more effort, which I know that you were upset maybe saying that uh, you think this is still carryover from the four and five nights, even though they had a, a game yeah. off in between. Malone and, also called out the effort, as this is why. Right. A absolutely. As he should. He's the coach. you got to expect more out of your guys. But mm -hmm. I'm actually going to do something that I rarely do. I'm going to make an excuse for the Nuggets here. I don't think the Nuggets can give more effort than they did last night. Like, Jeff Green is not 24 anymore. So asking him to box out a bunch of young athletic dudes, I just don't think that's realistic, to be honest with you. And Aaron Gordon didn't play. So to me, yesterday was actually 
I don't know if good sign is the right word, but it proved to me that I know how important Aaron Gordon is. Like Aaron Gordon is not sexy in terms of like his raw numbers. And yeah, he has some highlight dunks, but he was brought here to play a role and he has played it to a T. He's he rebounds, he plays defense, finishes dunks. He's a great connector piece. Not having him last night showed that like that breaks the wall of the dam, right? I mean, you had right. Davon Reed start for him, which essentially meant what happened to Will Barton? He had to play up a position. And Will Barton looked terrible. I, I can admit that. Like Will Barton did not play well last night. In fact, the Bluebirds came out at the end of the game for the whole team pretty much, which was sad. But, uh, you know, I'm you not going to overreact to one game because I'm never going to judge Will Barton on the regular season. Hmm. Can Will Barton get healthy and look good in the playoffs? That's what we need him to do. And we didn't have three starters last night. Jokic played an okay game. He was in the first three quarters. In the last quarter, they couldn't really get him the ball. So I'm not going to even say he played bad. He just... You know, when you're a big man, sometimes it, it's a little harder to get the ball and, and be effective. So, you know, the Nuggets, I definitely think there was some fatigue in the fourth quarter. But credit the Raptors, you know. They attacked. They followed the game plan. And what 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 last night really showed me was the concern you had last pod, Ray, about the Memphis matchup. That really showed me, like, whoa, if you go up against a team with that kind of length and athleticism, like, that's going to be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just thinking about it now, and I'm just like, it just does not excite me. Um, I'll, but, but, but to kind of piggyback on what, what you were saying, you know, um, there is, you know, I think that's definitely a big part of it. Will Barton and Davon Reed are not what I would consider forwards. I feel like you have to be at least 200 pounds. I feel like that should be, you know... <laughs> Put them on the scale. Um, yes, kind no. of. Yeah, it's it should be. You got to get up there. Get up the get those numbers up. Those are those are rookie numbers, as they say. Um, you know, and, and you're going to be guarding guys in the post. You know, on the boards. Um, just well, especially against of, Toronto with Pascal playing the three and and right Scotty there Barnes are, being a large and oversized. Yeah, there there are a number of teams in the league you could look at. Um, tr- what Trey Lyles did. To the Nuggets. Um, oh man! You could think about what Anthony Edwards is going to do um, against the Nuggets defense, and I think it's uh, there's multiple points where it's it's influential. It's you know, can you stay in front of your guy defensively? It's can you fight through these screens where you're largely at size and quickness disadvantages? Uh, it's how hard can you really fight on the boards? Um, and I think that's kind of to your point about, you know, the effort kind of how hard can you really try? Uh, rebounding is like a long-term sort of competition. Um, it's, it's very, it's very difficult to throw your body at someone much larger than you kind of, you can do it once you can do it twice. You can do it a third time, but as those, as that count kind of increases, um, it's like body blows in a fight. It's going to wear you out. Exactly. Um, it's, right. It, it, it takes a lot of energy. It's like, uh, it's like if a team keeps blitzing, you can only pick up the blitz so many times before 
your tackle is too tired and he gets beat or your running back is just getting blown up. Like you can't, it, it's not sustainable. Right. And I think that sustainability is, it is kind of key to, you know, how this, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go back to, I feel like I've been Mr. Ross construction bad this year. Um, but I feel like it, it's still kind of biting them in the sense that, um, they have a lot of guards, and I think that's cool. Um, Jared, do you remember the bubble and how they had no guards? <laughs> you remember that time, that period where fun. they were like... It was interesting. It was fun. Yeah, a, I, two things I think about that time. It was fun. It was interesting. I am kind of interested in like... I mean, obviously, Bull Bull is no longer here, but what do the Nuggets look like when they go the other way? Where I think a few other teams in the league have kind of realized is like, how much length can we actually put on the floor? And when it's cumulatively significantly more than our opponent, how much more effective can that be? I think well, about I, would, like, I would just, the one, the one kind of counterpoint I would give to that is I feel like Michael Porter Jr., at mm-hmm. least in the playing rotation, completely yeah. shifts that to being something that is more sustainable, is more normal, expected, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. The 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 argument that I would agree with you on is they needed more depth pieces at forward for when this happens. Yeah. I Whereas it both, feels like both are true. what roster spots 11 through 17 are all six, four and under or except for one or something like that. Yeah. And but, not but as far hurt as, now. Zeke's yeah, hurt and, and Zeke's Blocker's hurt. out. So that hurts too. That's all your depth. Right. At, at um, the three through five, three and a half and, through five. And Cornelie was a bust. <laughs> Ooh, another one. Um, was he a bust? Yes. It's hard for me to say. He didn't really play. He was too slow. Yeah, but we didn't have – I mean <laughs> – but yeah, just as far as uh, who's actually going to play, happened? I feel like Porter really balances out that that, yeah. that size issue. Because if you're starting, yeah. even Monte, Will, Porter, Gordon, Jokic, that's that's a fine size lineup. All right, so I have yeah, a semi hot take here. I think you guys might might think I'm crazy. Ray, maybe not, because I I know how you feel about the other player. But uh, okay, I actually think the Nuggets need Michael Porter Jr. more than they need Jamal Murray right now. I think they how need much, his. How much of that is coming off of how good Monte is playing? Oh, definitely. That's no, that's absolutely a part of it. Monte's crushing. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, you can't replace six ten. You can't replace seven foot wingspan. You can't replace forty percent three point shooting. Uh, <coughs> on the scrap heap, you right? Like you can yes. go get Shaq Harrison right now. Okay. Yeah, it could. Uh, that is possible. That is always possible. It's always possible. In fact, I don't understand why the Nuggets don't keep a guard like that on the end of the bench just to deploy when you need defense. But, you know, I don't make the decisions. Austin uh, Rivers became that. Austin Rivers became that. There you go. <laughs> so that was a good move by Conley. Oh, I was going to say, I have a small theory uh, kind of tying back to talking about the bubble. I feel like that experience was some amount of internalized trauma for the team where they didn't have any, not having any guards. I, I think they kind of thought, 
to themselves, wow, we have way too many long boys and not enough playmaking. And they went out and got, you know, they went out and got Faku. They oh, went out overcorrected. Yeah. Where they were like, oh, we need, we actually do need you, Marcus Howard. And we need Austin Rivers. And we need Dave Reed now to the point where they're four or five deep at both guard spots. And they're kind of playing out of position now. And uh, you don't have as many forwards as you'd like, especially considering that kind of health record of of uh, Michael Porter and right. the fact that Jeff Green is 35. Um, well, I have, would be nice. So I want to have, I want to expand sure. on my take a little bit. So please, you know, when a guy is coming back from injury, they always talk about the ramp up period. You know, is he going to be rusty? How long do you get the chemistry back? I think that is way more crucial for guards than it is for forwards and bigs. Like, yes, everybody needs that rhythm, but I was thinking about this in the car this morning. You know, when I played basketball, when I, like back when I used to play consistently, I was the type of kid that could roll out of bed and shoot and be happy and, and like start knocking it down and feel good. You know, assuming I have mm-hmm. good energy that day. I think Michael Porter is the same way. I mean, we've already heard reports of him just like being wet shooter, knocking it down. I feel like he's going to come back and that's going to be good right away. Like, yeah, his dribble won't be tight. Like, it, I mean, it wasn't really tight in the first place and he'll have some defensive passes. His hands passes. might be bad. He might drop some passes. Right. But I think his shooting is going to be there and he's still going to be 6'10 and athletic. So I think his rebounding is going to be there. I don't think rebounding. Yeah, as is long as he's be... willing to get in there and fight for it. That's right. Only, as long that's as a he's not hurdle. hesitant. For sure. Right. But I'm just talking like purely skill-wise. I don't think rebounding is something that you need 15 games to like get back. So I think Michael Porter, whenever he comes back, even if he doesn't blow you away with his numbers, his sheer presence is going to help everybody so much. Whereas when Jamal comes back, it's definitely going to be an adjustment period when Jamal comes back. It's going to be an integration process, yeah. Yeah, like 100%. Because if Jamal's not, you know, if he can't score or if he can't get to his spots in the way he wants to, mm-hmm. it's hard to see him having like a great rebounding impact or a great defensive right. impact. Teams are going to target um, him. That's, yeah, uh, that is something that I, I think about most often as far as, you know, what do the Nuggets do in the playoffs? Is like you've got Jamal Murray, you've got Will Barton, you've got Monte Morris. I. That's I'm not excited to see them play defense, right? You know, and I think depending on who they're playing, um, this is the the like the opposite or the uh, tandem part of my concerns about the Memphis Grizzlies is that like not only do they have a lot of length and athleticism, but specifically with John Morant, they have the most athletic guy at the position, uh, and I wonder if asking who do you well i guess first of all who do you even ask to guard john moran is it jamal murray is it will barden is it monte morris i don't know who's starting in in a series like that or who's going to be starting in the playoffs once (laughs) i i've thought about it a good bit actually and i okay i will say what i think is going to happen and what i want to happen what I think is going to happen is that Will Barton has been a starter for this team for a long time, that it has been his role, and um, Monte 
has been a bench guy traditionally and that it's more likely that Barton sticks in the starting lineup than Monte. However, if I had to pick, I think I would prefer Monte start. Um, and, and it is two parts. I think Monte is a little bit quicker. You know, I, I, I don't know if he is a significantly better defender. He's not as long as Will Barton, but I, as far as chasing around guards, um, I don't think it, I don't think you're losing a lot with him. And I think he is a little bit better in terms of taking pressure off of Jamal and just letting him sort of find his spots in a comfortable way. Okay, so you're saying this in like a Jamal re-entry scenario. Yeah, yeah. yeah specifically I can see that. I see, I see the value there, scenario. for sure. Um, either way, is, is, the, is that like, how much defense are they playing Yeah, between those three? Well, it's almost like you said, though, no matter what combination you put out there, other than Austin Rivers, and can you really hold Austin Rivers out there for 40 minutes a night? Right. Um, as far as who could be that fourth guard, I mean, Austin is kind of the option, and I think 15, 20 to 25 minutes, yeah, that's I'll tolerate it, especially if he's playing good defense. Uh, I'll tolerate the jab steps or whatever he has to do to make himself feel comfortable. Do you guys think Bones is going to be there? I do. Like more so that more. was actually sure. Go ahead. Yeah, that was one of my good takeaways from last night. Bones played really well. He had 17 points, six for 12 from the floor, five for seven from three, seven assists in um how many minutes? 19 minutes. So the fact that he played that well against a team with that kind of length is a mm-hmm. great sign to me. And uh, his decision-making you know, is speeding up a lot. I can't say for a fact that I'm like 100% sure he's going to be good in the playoffs, but I am now 100% sold that he, he's at least going to be confident. Like that kid is not afraid. And that is such a good sign. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about that. So you could talk about bones if you want. Um, and then I got one more small point to make about the game, but uh, you got any more? Well, I bones? think it's, it's that, well, he has, he has the athleticism also that I think, I don't, I don't know if any other nugget really has in terms of just yeah. creating, yeah, creating advantages uh, and breaking down a defender, getting past this guy, getting into the paint, creating opportunities for other people or for himself. Um, I think he can do that in a way that even Nuggets guards who are more who have more seniority than him um, may not have the sort of quickness to do. So he's kind of he he's still he's obviously still a rookie, and I, that's always going to come with question marks. But I don't know how many you know are there better options in terms of. Uh, sort of uh, first, second option kind of guy on the perimeter. I'm not sure there are. Right. Yeah. Um, But, you know, outside of that, um, I just want to give one small last take I noticed from the game last night. Uh, Yeah. He was going to say anything else on the game. So Bryn Forbes uh, has been here for a while, and he's Mm -hmm. fit in pretty well. You know, he's – quite frankly, he's been exactly what – 
he was advertised to be, right? He's a shooter, good shooter, right. runs around off screens, catch and shoot, doesn't play much defense, tries, but just can't. He tries. You know, he's not like a bad attitude, right. bad defender. Yeah, he's he just, just doesn't have the limited. lateral quickness or the length. Um, one thing I've noticed about him, and, and I don't know if this is nitpicking or if you notice this too, even though his role in the NBA is that he's here because he's a good shooter, I think he's like 10% too thirsty. And what I mean is I saw him get swatted in the corner last night by Boucher. And I don't remember the shot clock, but I, I think there was still enough time to keep the play moving. This isn't the first time this has happened. He got blocked quite a few times this week on jump shots. And mm-hmm. to me, other than his nice little like pump and go floater that he has, he has the exact same game as Kyle Korver used to have. You guys remember Korver, right? Pure shooter, yeah. running around screens, catch and shoot it. Forbes plays the same way. But all those times that Forbes got blocked, Korver would have either passed right away or dribbled and got a shot or passed again. Like he, I never saw him got, get blocked on his jump shot. I mean, sure he did. Like he's also taller. Career, he is yeah, taller. He's bigger. But, but it's like to me that's an IQ thing, Ray. If, if a guy is too close – you have to know, like, you can't get that off. So it's just one well, that's also that's also why Corver was like a thirty-minute per night player, and four. I, I agree with you. Fifteen to sixteen-minute sure. per night player. At the same time, I also have this take. Sometimes those bench guys are like not thirsty enough. Okay, is that weird? Yeah, where we're yeah. like, there, there are possessions. There are where times I feel we like need that. Yeah, there they know what he. You know, um, there. I think it's a combination of two things where they're unable to really get the clear opportunities to shoot that they want and the extent to which they are able to create space. Nobody wants to really bite the bullet on taking that shot or driving to the basket or what have you. Yeah. Um, Whether it's Austin rivers or, I mean, bones, not this, no, not bone bones is shooting. Okay. Uh, and that's kind of what, what you like to see. But Faku, um, Austin Rivers, Brent Forbes. Davon Reed's pretty decisive. Um, obviously, he doesn't play a whole lot. But kind of in that trio, there can be... And I still think what you're saying is true. Because there are some situations where I feel like if Brent would just move the ball or parlay whatever he creates off of that pump-and-go action, you know, he can get better shots either for himself or for others. Um, But at the same time, I also feel like they don't shoot as decisively as they could, or maybe even that they lose confidence in their shots sometimes, Um, where they don't really... If you, you know, there's this idea that if you're not feeling it, get to the rim. and I agreed to that to some extent because it's it's normal. But at the same time, the at the size that the kind of bench players play at, I also feel like sometimes you just got to keep shooting and, and just kind of have yeah. faith in that that uh, that's a kind of fall eventually. And if you don't, I think that's when the Nuggets get into this period of sort of not being sure of themselves and when they do shoot the shots not being very likely to go in uh in terms of like almost like a positive feedback loop of brick of brick laying 
So um, what you're saying is you like the aggressiveness and you can live with a few, you know, possessions that look really ugly here or there. I can. Um, it would be nice if they found ideal balance, but yeah, I do want them to be confident also. So, so it's, it's hard. It's hard for me to say one or the other, whether like you should shoot less in general or shoot. That's more. a good point. You'd rather yeah. have them get blocked and not lose the confidence than be like, well, now I'm hesitant. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why Davon Reed has so few turnovers is that he almost never does not get the shot up. Even if he doesn't make it, you know, he will either interesting. He's decisive about whatever he's going to do. And if that means he's taking this shot that, Hey, it's a little, you know, it's a little edgy in terms of, um, do I want him taking that shot? He still is at least the very least it's not a turnover. And I think that's how he, uh, I wouldn't say he's like a Monte Morris level distributor or anything like that. Um, but it's kind of, it's, it's like the Kobe effect. You know, Kobe doesn't turn the ball over because he, you know, he just shoots it. Is that a turnover? Does he miss? Yeah, he'll, he'll miss sometimes. Um, is there any other, any other takeaways from the game outside of you know? So Raptors, lots of length. I also, I can also commend them in terms of how they built that team and, and having um, length, athleticism, pretty much up and down the roster. The only thing that I don't think they have is like a, a big man who is. You know, there's uh there's an argument that in today's league you don't need a big man. And I think that runs into reality real quick when you meet a big man. Um, worth their salt anyway. And I'm not saying there are tons and tons of them across the league, but if you are gonna go deep in the playoffs, you do need to contend with the likes of Embiid and Jokic and um even lower level but still impactful guys like Steven Adams will win you a game if you don't have a person to box him out. Um, so Jonas Valanciunas, I, I like him a lot. You know, he has a, a lot of um, skills and applications, if, if, especially if you're not a team that is capable of putting out a traditional big man in front of him. Um, not fun. Can I say that? Not fun. Not fun to lose like that. I think that's a solid take. Not a good vibe. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm <laughs> coming a little hot with that one. But um, do you want to get to the 76ers game? Actually, let's take a short break. We'll get some water. We'll come right back and talk more nuggets. And we are back. So, uh, quick question before we get to that um, next game preview. So, Malone in that Raptors game did not make a lot of, uh, intends to not make a lot of in-game adjustments during the regular season. Uh, I'm thinking about things like um, targeting weak defensive players. Uh, thinking about things like you know, switching matchups in a way that sort of uh, gives preferential treatment for having a better defender on a certain guy. Like, um, there are a lot of games, I think, even not just this year, but in past years where 
Michael Malone would have Jamal guard the opposing team's best player, partly because I think Jamal wants to, um, but would do that instead of, say, have Gary Harris kind of uh, be that whoever's better, I'm going to guard them, and you take the easier assignment. Do you guys – I'll start with you, Jared. Do you feel like that is a – you know? What are the benefits of that strategy do you see and, and do you feel like it's worthwhile in, in terms of does it save tactics and film for the playoffs where, you know, coaches can't necessarily look at it and see like, okay, this is what they like to do. Or do you feel like it limits their, do they need the practice uh, of having targeted tactics and specifics and things like that? So I actually think the biggest benefit is one that's really difficult for fans and outsiders like us to measure is the the consistency it brings to the players of knowing, hey, here's what I'm going to do tonight. Here's what I'm going to do tomorrow night. And we're going to keep doing that. I there's I'm sure there's a value to it that's really hard for for me to see just watching the games on TV or in the stands. Um. I would say the biggest cost in my mind isn't isn't even like a practicing. It's more, I think the way I was looking at it is I think if you were to deploy some of those, like, oh, hey, Steph Curry's playing a little more tonight. I'm going to keep Austin out there and and make sure he doesn't get minutes on Forbes and Bones. Or, hey, the Raptors are bigger than all three of our guards that we're playing. Let me get some more minutes for Jeff Green and Jamichael Green. Um, The biggest cost of that is I think now, maybe these last two games aren't examples of that. I think using those kind of one-off gimmies or gimmicks could steal you a game or two, and maybe if your record is a game or two better, you feel a little more comfortable resting Jokic or you're not in that position. I don't think it's a sustainable way to win games in the regular season, but it's it definitely, if, it's, if it steals you a game or two, that's a big difference in its own right. I mean, I feel like the Jazz have like made a living kind of targeting teams and their weaknesses in the regular season and saying we'll kind of we're going to kind of take like a a little bit of a playoff approach to dismantling whatever you guys like to do in terms of we're going to isolate and target your best your worst defender or yeah uh, we're going to pack the pain or focus on the three explicitly exclusively but i did want to finish that off by saying ultimately i'm i'm fine with them not chasing that as hard because i do trust the team to do it in the playoffs mm-hmm. where, where it really matters. So if, if this was a pattern we were seeing and, and it bled into the playoffs, I would be a lot more concerned. That's fair, but, but they will find the right, the right decision and changes to make. Yeah. Peter, are you kind of in line with Malone's sort of strategy of, Hey, we'll save that for the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, it, it's fascinating uh, sort of psychological question, right? Because as a fan, in the moment, you get frustrated. You're like, why isn't he changing this? This seems obvious. And I would love to ask him, like, one day, I don't know how truthful he would be in his logic and reasoning, but here's my theory. I think that Malone goes into every game with what he believes to be a solid game plan. And then, unless it's just, like, absolutely no chance, he wants to stick to the game plan for two reasons. If, you know, a basketball game's long, it's game of runs. If it ends up coming back and they win, then he's like, okay, I stuck to my gut and my my guns and it worked. If it doesn't work, 
he can do two things. He can either reevaluate the game plan or he can have now data points and tell the team why this didn't work. Like either you didn't play well enough or you missed this assignment or like you, you kept messing this thing up. If you make adjustments all the time, you actually end up letting a lot of guys off the hook if you pull that game out and win the game. Because I think the players only think about winning the game and not so much about what they did well and what they didn't do well. Like, yeah, that comes the next day in the film session. But I think Jarrett's right. It's like, you know, is it worth getting one or two more wins a year, but then players maybe don't quite have the same trust? And I think that's one thing we've learned about Malone is that the guys trust him and that he's a very principled coach. So I do think it's okay as frustrating as it, it can be. And and it really is a gray area because, like you said, those two games might be valuable. They yeah, might be. They can. But it also – there is some some proof to that to stick to it and, and give yourself the, that information that, hey, this did work, this didn't work. Right. And I do look at, like, the Jazz as a counterpoint in terms of they are a team that does, like, like I said, do a lot of targeting and specific game planning. Um, and in the playoffs – while they do have, they do tend to have, you know, higher regular season win totals than the Nuggets. Um, I think in the playoffs, they don't necessarily have that sort of extra gear uh, to reach when they are in those matchups that that Denver does, or, or maybe another team that has spent the year sort of um, everyone kind of being accountable for their own particular matchup, and you know, then if we need to make a an adjustment, we can. Well, the term I've heard used a lot that I agree with is that the Jazz are more built for the regular season. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but, I mean, I think I'm thinking about just, like, coaching and coaching towards the regular season. But I think still, sure. in terms of, like, you know, their their roster also, I think, but they don't is have conducive a, for they that. Can't, no matter what two players you pick, they can't have a good a, good a two-man game as, as Jokic and Murray, right? No, I, I think more about like the they love targeting like weak defenders. They will oh, yeah. uh they'll find it they'll find that one guy and Yeah, take they'll find out. that one guy and be like, Okay, can you really score? Especially yeah. when you can say, Okay, can you really score with Rudy Gobert roaming the paint? Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously they have the playoff record that they do. So um tomorrow night, it's like the big game. I mean, I know they'd use the phrase the big game a lot. It, I would, it might even be overused. Is this, but I'll ask Jared, do you feel like this is like the biggest game of the year so far? For the, yeah, yeah. I don't want it to be, but it probably is. I think, I kind of think it is, but Peter, <laughs> you you're kind of on board. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's going to be fun. You know, I'm, I'm a guy that enjoys the regular season, but I'm not going to put a whole lot of stock in it. I mean, if we, if we win and it's, and when Jokic plays great, I'll be excited. But if we lose, I'll be like, you know what? Tomorrow's a new day. There's hear, still a lot to I play for. I don't hear confidence. Well, I mean, you're, you're on the road and like, here's, here's what's so funny to me guys. Now, obviously I'm a biased Nuggets fan, but I think it's comical and actually kind of corny. Like how much you, uh, Joel Embiid campaigns for the MVP award. It's like Jokic just cares about winning games for his team, you know? <laughs> like, so I don't think we should be too upset if, if MB comes out tomorrow and tries to drop 40 on us 
and Jokic is just like playing his regular game. You know, he's not going to have a bad game, I don't think. Um, hopefully, does, he'll, does he can Joel, stay out of foul trouble. Does he campaign explicitly? I mean, I yeah. know he tries yeah, he to said, have big games. Yeah, he said I'm he? MVP before. Blah blah. Yeah, nothing that. <laughs> Nothing that other superstars don't do, so I'm not gonna like go hammer it home on I mean, him. But I know yeah, he's he, on Twitter. Push for it. I know he is the funny man on Twitter, but I am not yeah. keeping up with the kids in these days and their and their newfangled technology. So, um, that's cool. Good for him. He he may have the best MVP uh, PR strategy. That's great. Really, my, about... my biggest, the biggest thing I say I don't want it to be the biggest game is I just don't want to watch a game where Jokic has four fouls in the first 20 minutes, and then I'm just like, cool, what do we take from this? Mm, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's really, I mean, that's what I don't want to happen. And I'm, I'm not looking forward to them might. defending the, the Embiid Harden pick and roll with Jokic and yeah. Monte Morris. Ooh, um... well, I think I think Aaron Gordon actually could stay with Harden well. Maybe if he's back, yeah. If he's back, if he's back, back, maybe they're saving him. Um, I don't think Harden is Harden the most explosive guy, not necessarily. He's uh, he's very he's got a lot of hesitation moves. He's he's good handler. But he could also, yeah, he could also put Gordon in foul trouble in the first half. Yeah, that's also true. It could be, it'll be interesting. Uh, I'll say that. I I mean. I feel like I kind of know what I'm going to get from Denver and know what I expect. I don't know exactly what version of the 76ers I'm going to see. Um, I know they've got a lot of wins versus, and I think a lot of teams this year have a lot of wins versus um, what some people might consider subpar competition. Uh, as far as, you know, you're playing a team, maybe they're not healthy, maybe they're not good, etc. And they have this propensity, you know, both James and Joel, to have goose eggs on occasion. Um, and I wonder what the risk for that is. Uh, even though they are at home, they're probably more comfortable. Uh, but I also think there's maybe more pressure for them um, and, and for Joel himself specifically. And in this one sense, should this determine the MVP? <laughs> no, it's one game. Will this determine the MVP? It will. I mean, I think a lot of people are gonna are gonna put stock in this game. One thing I will say that I've uh, I've really enjoyed the past week is it seems like the national radar is finally starting to realize that Nikola Jokic exists. I mean. They put some respect on his name. Yeah, you're seeing him on Sports Center. You're seeing them talking about him on different shows. He's getting tweets yeah. out from ESPN and Slam Magazine. Uh, it's, so. Yeah, it's been like a two week process, but it's almost completely shifted at this point. Oh, and that actually reminds me on the topic of Jokic, Ray. I actually wanted to ask you something. Um, sure. We actually talked a little bit before the pod about how I'm not big on small samples, but in the last, I believe four or five games, Jokic has seen a significant uptick in his free throw attempts. I wanted Mm -hmm. to ask you if you thought that this was like 
maybe um, a shift, maybe something he's figured out, or maybe something he's getting respect. Like, it, does this seem sustainable, or do you think this is just a good stretch, just a coincidence? I think um, he's just getting more respect. So are we asking if there's a direct correlation from Slam Magazine tweets to free throw rate? Yeah, yes. that was exactly my point. <laughs> I, I, and I also think the All-Star game probably has a something to do with this in terms of his sort of uh, name recognition and notoriety around the league. Um, I think both in terms of being in the game, obviously that helps, but also in some of the the funny interactions that he's having <laughs> with other players. Like uh, I, I think about a lot about how many people were doing mock-ups of uh, Luka Doncic in Nuggets jerseys or Nikola Jokic in Mavericks jerseys, although I think one of those is a lot more likely than the other. Um, I feel like All-Star Weekend helped him, you know, even if he didn't get rest, I feel like it put him more in the minds of people. Um, and it all, of course, it also helps that, you know, I think media people that watch basketball appreciate Nikola Jokic. Yeah. I'll ask one more troll question, please. I love troll questions. So it didn't hurt his brand to not close the all-star game. Are we sure? It was never a part of his brand. So <laughs> yeah, you can't hurt what isn't there, you know, um, I was excited. I was like, cool. Jokic can't get hurt. He's not going back in. Right. Can I be honest? I don't care about the All-Star game. I, yeah, I, I don't, a lot of people don't. I don't think most fans watching games night by night do. Yeah. I mean, I think there's probably a contingent of people who, you know, maybe they don't watch every – I don't want to say the All-Star game is more of a casual Well, and it's for kids. Experience, but – like, you like, know what's uh, hilarious about the All Star game? The All Star game was like with it. The All Star game was like the best game Steph Curry had in like three yeah. months, and he hasn't had as good a game since. He's well, really trailed off. All Star Thursday was pretty that, solid. Yeah, that that's true. But to to that point, there's probably some oxygen in the room being let not created, but not being taken up by Stephen Curry as much since he's kind of trailed off uh, on the back half of the season. Uh, and then who else is there? You know, I think early on, there's a bunch of guys who will be in the conversation as like maybe they can get an inside lane into it. Uh, I think people were talking about DeMar DeRozan. People were talking about, you know, Jason Tatum has kind of had a resurgence. Um, a bunch of different guys. Kevin Durant obviously plays basketball at a high level when he does play. Uh, obviously, Giannis is kind of in the conversation still. I think over the course of the season, the people that who were supporting, um, I don't know, who was seeing LeBron for MVP, you know, a month ago. <laughs> Those people, you, you can only say that for so long before yeah. – you have to pick somebody who's actually relevant in the conversation. Uh, and, and I think that's, that's all, there's some coalescing of, of uh, attention in that sense. Definitely. Um, do you, any, anything else that 
for example, Jarrett, anything you're like looking forward to for tomorrow night's game as, as far as uh, things you're interested to see outside of the sort of who wins MVP decisiveness of it? Um, I want to see if Will Barton can have a good game. He's doing It'll be nice. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm tired of the haters. I mean, that too. <laughs> it's Will Barton is a complicated man who very few people understand uh, in the sense that he, I feel like he's not been put in the best positions to succeed in Denver. Yeah, of course. Um, both in, in a few different ways where he's oftentimes asked to do a lot in a way that you might expect of like a, a star player, somebody making a max contract. Um, but at the same time, I feel like he doesn't necessarily get the uh, preferential saving that a star player gets. You know, if Jokic ever takes a night off or Jamal Murray ever took a night off or Michael Porter is out, you know who's not getting a night off? Will Barton, you know, uh, as a guy who's like on a, on a yearly basis is just asked to say, like, hey, come play 40 minutes for me in uh, December and January and October and sort of have these uh, big stretches where we're going to really need you in a regular season. Well, the one win they had when Jokic was out was that suspension against the Pacers and Barton dropped 30. Exactly. He had to. Because he had to. And that's a lot for a player. And I think um, it comes to my second point. Will Barton's not a big guy. You know, I think durability is easier when you're larger than the people who you're, um, you know, bumping up against on a, on a nightly tonight basis. Um, so I wonder if in the long run, I, I wonder what the alternative timeline for Will Barton is like if he could spend, if he had spent the last like five, six years exclusively playing point or shooting guard. Uh, if he spent the last five, six years exclusively defending point and shooting guards, would he have a better defensive reputation? Would he be a little bit more consistently consistent offensively? Would he not be hurt every year? Um, those are things that I think about with him. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's 100% like, what is he being asked to do versus what his skill set is, right? Like, mm-hmm. Will Barton is not good enough to be a first option in the NBA, but he's he's a very good role player. He's, you know, he was designed to be the fourth or fifth guy on the offense, and he was right. great at that for two weeks last year. Now with Murray and, and he Porter, can have stretches. Yeah, now he's essentially the second or third guy, depending on, like, how well Monte is playing, I guess. So he's going to have some good games here and there. But sometimes, like, the defense is going to be geared towards him. If, if the team is good enough that they can guard Jokic one-on-one, they can focus on being like, all right, if we just shut down Will Barton, we'll probably win. And that's happened a lot. Right. And I, I, I think defense is not his forte, uh, no. which I don't think is exclusive to him. Right. You know, I think there's a lot of critique of his defense, and I totally understand where that's coming from. Uh, at the same time, I think he, he's one of the few players who we really have, I think, as a as a Nuggets universe fan base uh, that I see has this expectation that he's supposed to be a good defender. 
Um, whereas like Brent Forbes gives up an easy bucket. You know, I don't think anyone bats an eye. Um, Monte kind of a similar vibe when he dies on screens, uh, just as hard as Will does. I don't think anyone's looking at him with the side eye. Um, and you can kind of look up around the roster guys, you know, Jeff green, I think has nights where he's not defending a traffic cone. And I don't think he gets the same sort of flack that will Barton does. Right. Um, which is unfortunate. I feel like it's it's not not the not the most fun. Um, he he might just be the current scapegoat of the team without Faku. And, and when he me- messes up, it's loud mistakes, right? Turnovers or that too. Yeah, because he is like he does have the ball in his hands in high leverage situations. His mistakes are loud. Like Austin Rivers not playing, not being a starter not playing in high leverage situations. I think he, his mistakes are just less consequential. Bones mistakes, less consequential. Um, Zeke is, you know, Zeke has made errors in, in like high leverage moments, but because he's not in those moments very often, I don't think he's going to catch a lot of heat in, in that way. Um, but you need to have someone to criticize. <laughs> there has yeah. to be like, one guy uh, who I think on every team is, is uh, for whatever reason, sometimes justified, sometimes unjustified, the first option as far as fans' criticism. It's almost like Will Barton is the, the talented receiver who drops one crucial pass early in the season or early in his career, and that's like now set the narrative for a lot of fans when it's like this guy's actually one of our oh, most man. productive players. Yeah. That might be Ooh. your best football analogy. That was a good one. You like that? <laughs> yeah. Made many, but that I've was good. Got a few, I've got Thank a few you. guys in mind uh, when I think of that. But um, last thing. So, what are you taking? Are you taking the Wizards? Are you taking the, are you taking the Wizards? Uh, are you taking the Nuggets or are you taking the 76ers tomorrow night, Jared? Nuggets. Deep breath. Let me be okay. the Nuggets. Let's we go. Let's pull it out. Ear, ear, ear. Yes, I can. I can feel the winds now. Peter. Nuggets. 76ers. Oh, I think the Sixers are going to win, but I'll happily be wrong on this. See, I felt. I felt. I felt that was coming. I felt your vibe. Um, my mind's telling me no, but my heart's telling me yes. I think the Nuggets pull this one out. I. I Two losses in a row, I also think, is going to be a big motivator for them. Uh, I think it's a game that they're going to be thinking about a lot. And uh, I don't, I, I kind of believe in some bust potential for the 76ers. So, not that the 76ers are going to flame out entirely, but in any one game, James Harden can go shoot 15% from the field for some odd reason. Um, now, let's uh, take one more break, and then we will be right back for our closing segments. We've got some interesting stuff for you. And we are back. So we have a, a special treat for you. One uh, thing that we love to talk about that I think the league loves to talk about, I love to talk about, is the Los Angeles Lakers. I 
Uh, I don't know if you knew. I hate the Lakers. It's not personal. Don't get me wrong. It's not personal. But if you're a Laker, if you uh, support the Lakers, you can uh, you can uh, take a hike. That's 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 just, just where I am in life. That's okay. Um, there is one Laker of note that you know I I love talking about. It's Russell Westbrook and uh, Peter. I I heard you have a. a some expanded thoughts from our conversation last week on him. I do. I have, I, I let my brain go to a strange place and I have a conspiracy theory and I don't even know how much I believe this conspiracy theory. I'm going, I'm about to go full Bill Simmons here. So if we take it back to last, when you option, say that I have to assume that you believe this a thousand percent and you're just, you're just couching it. Maybe. Well, we'll never know the answer to this one, most likely. But just listen to my point because I, I want to see a reaction. So last summer, LeBron's sitting at home, you know, looking at everything, going, "Hmm, probably on the set of Space Jam." I don't think we can win with this team. I need to do something. I'm under contract for two more years. Is there anything we can do? He's looking at the landscape and he's thinking, "Man." You know, it's kind of open, but there are a lot of good teams. There's no good free agents for us. There's no way to finagle some crazy move. LeBron James gets a lot of credit for how smart he is and for how much basketball IQ he has. And this whole year, we're slamming him for the Westbrook trade. What if LeBron knew that this wasn't going to work out? What if LeBron already saw Westbrook's decline and said, you know what? I've got four rings. I live in LA. I'm pretty happy. I really want to pass Karl Malone and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. What is a good way for me to go after these stats without any Lakers fans looking at me as being a stat chaser? What if we trade for a guy who isn't good anymore, but everybody else still thinks is good, he can be the scapegoat, and I can just go out and score points? Have you guys looked at what LeBron James has been doing the last week? He's been on fire. But his assists are down and his points are up. So my conspiracy is simply that he has successfully found a way to blame this entire Lakers season on Russell Westbrook. And he never thought the Lakers were going to be good enough to win anyway. So who knows what happens in the offseason? Maybe they figure out a way to get rid of Westbrook and get the team better, or maybe he tries to get traded, or maybe he's actually cool with this and just comes back and scores a bunch and passes the record, and everybody celebrates LeBron because his stats are amazing. Your reaction? This? No. <laughs> no way. I mean, I, okay, I, I will say – I will accept that it's potentially an ancillary benefit that LeBron has found in the, uh, you know, in the, in the, it's the, the silver lining. It, it's the sure sort of nugget of, of gold in the dark chasms of uh, play in basketball. Are they in the play in? I don't even know. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I think um, nine. yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that, we'll see how that goes. But he does I, love I mean, having I a scapegoat, think, though, right? 
it's good for him. I mean, LeBron has always been aware of his own narrative and legacy and how he shapes that and how the things that he says and does, you know, inform it. Um, I think I, I, it's hard to say, I'd really love to hear more about what, who really, how much sway did he really have in this, 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 uh, Westbrook trade? Who really, whose idea was this really? Right. I mean, that's, I, I mean, that's really the one question nobody can figure out is if it was LeBron, why did he want Westbrook? Right. I mean, I, I have to imagine he's a better <laughs> basketball mind than that to be like, you know, who was really going to fix this situation. Russell Westbrook. <laughs> well, right. the one argument I have, the only other argument I've heard that makes sense is, is uh, people saying there are a lot of players that they see a guy have a good game against them three years ago. And it's like, oh, he's good because he was good against me a couple times. The and Trey Lyles effect. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. But. But Ray, this is know. like the foundation of my conspiracy. We all respect LeBron's basketball basketball acumen and like his genius. And yeah, we've well, made yeah, fun of yes. we've made fun of some of his GM moves over the time. But I think this would this was like the perfect opportunity for him to be like, well, you know, if things go wrong, they'll blame this guy. I can go get mine, and I'm gonna sit pretty. Nobody's gonna remember <laughs> that I was bad. Is like that my team was bad the last year. Is Russ a clutch sports guy? No. I don't think so. No. Oh, that might. Be. <laughs> uh, maybe. I don't know. It, does that make it less likely to be true or more likely to be true? Well, that would make it less likely, but. Uh, or, or does he not feel bad about scapegoating a non-clutch sports guy? I have no idea what their personal relationship is like, but. I doubt it's good. good. I mean, uh, well, actually. Russ is apparently a cool guy. Like on a, on a personal on a personal level, I don't think anyone dislikes Russell Westbrook. Right. But I have I have seen LeBron sitting on the sidelines, just like looking at you know box scores <laughs> and a lot of non eye contact being made. And he uh, hasn't gone and sat courtside yet. I expected that like a few weeks ago, and sat sat with the courtside fans just to fully show to that there. this isn't me. Glass of wine in hand. Just Maybe it's coming Lannister still. But... Watching it burn all down. Yeah, I'm enjoying the soap opera. Uh yeah. I mean, there. I, I enjoy the Lakers suffering more when they're good. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like you want them to like, lose. A well, I think that I think that's part of now that they're the, that's part of why it's still at least enjoyable this year, at least more than the D'Lo and uh, Nick Young years. Because they're at least they were supposed to be good this year, right? Yeah, I, I I feel like with being a nine seed and just being at the bottom of the conference, they're already dead. Like I, I can't, uh, I can go out of my way to like stomp on their on their corpses, but you know they're rolling they're they're rolling up they're rolling out there in their wheelchairs and canes. Uh, they're just trying to get to the end of the season and get their paychecks. I can't. It's just not as fun to to pick on the the enfeebled. That's unfortunate. Um, I still would not mind if if the Nuggets. You know, I've said this before. Nuggets fall into the play-in. Uh-huh. They got to knock out the Lakers. I'll enjoy that. 
That'll be uh, fun. My heart can't handle that. Those forty-eight minutes. Uh, if you're not going to win a title, what else would be more enjoyable? Uh, I can't. I can't switch. I'll that. think about it. I'm thinking about it. Um, it would be kind of glorious. It would if we be, get the results. Kinda, kinda. It would be the most glorious. <laughs> they could get swept but, in the next round. I'd be like, okay, that's fine. But how would the Nuggets fan, uh, players celebrate that? I don't think they would celebrate winning a play-in, even though it's against Lakers, like it was Game Seven. They would just be like, all right, no, they made wouldn't. the playoffs. They shouldn't. The players should not. Just to be clear, like that. Yeah, that was that one's fan service. That's for the fans. Y'all are for, yeah, it's it's for me. It's for me as a as a Laker hater. You just want to uh, control the Lakers fans. Yeah. Well, no, I don't care about their fans. I just want. Well, I'm not. I am not going to troll Lakers fans. I'm sure Lakers fans will be trolled. Um, oh, yeah. I will not. I will not be against such trolling. I, <laughs> I may not participate, but I will enjoy it. Uh, and I will also enjoy. It's really just the the way that NBA works is that. On in the good times, the Lakers just get so much more attention and shine and preferential treatment. It's only fair that you know that has to come both ways, um, and and that is something that I would also enjoy. The first take, ESPN. They also it'll be it'll all summer, all summer. It will be just just should they break it up? Should they trade LeBron? Should AD? Uh, is AD not the best big man of all time? <laughs> Will he be on the NBA 100? I hope not. But ah, is that fair? Is, is will he be on the NBA 100? Well, yeah. If he's on, the he's on the 75. I think they're gonna cut people. Are you sure? Well, that'd be that'd be weird. Well, but let me put it this way. You have 25 years to add 25 more people to that list. I mean, his career would really have to spiral out of control for him to not make it. I mean, Are we sure that's one, not going to happen? One guys, wow. Well, the fact that you guys think there's a chance <laughs> is pretty sad for him, but I guess it's not impossible. You got a little soft spot for him being an Orleans guy? No, I just I think it's been a little overblown. Like he hasn't been bad. He just hasn't been what we expected. Healthy. Right. Yeah. That would be I mean, the I, only reason I could see it spiraling. If if he plays 40 games a year for the rest of his career, 50 games a year the rest of his career, I think there are gonna be a lot of those NBA 75 voters that are like, Well, I don't think I can put him on that list again. And you've already got the, the narrative of it being but short. he's already he's already done so much. If he just plays the second half of his career at like a Paul Millsap level, he's going to make the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. No, he'll Hall make the fame. Hall of Fame for yeah, sure. I'll give for him sure. the Hall of Fame. Sure. But top 100 all time. Okay. Nikola Jokic, not on there. Oh, yeah. You know, it, I don't, was Joel Embiid on there? I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, well, no. Embiid has like very few games played in his career. Yeah. But I, I think. Um, there's a lot of time between now and then to add more names, some who are already in the league and some who may not be. Uh, and I think also there will be some discussion about players who were maybe left off the first time. You never know how votes could change. Right. Uh, I, I think that's it 
for our conspiracy corner. Except um, LeBron to the Cavs, as is tradition. That's all I'm saying, man. I, I... Look, <laughs> I'll to get him out of the West. Huh? Look, look, I think low-key, it's possible that he left the Cavs to the Heat to become the villain of the NBA to satisfy ratings. Also, to give the Cavaliers enough time to retool uh, for him to come back and give them a championship. I think that's how he works. I think he'd be very open, you know, just going back. They, they're they they're good now. They could use a LeBron. They could. I think he, he, misses, he misses the Eastern Conference. <laughs> well, the East is better now, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, so that's it for us. Um, do we have any, is any parting shots? For the for the crowd, for the for the viewership of the extended Nuggets universe. Don't check don't. the ref crew on Monday before the game. Don't oh, don't start no. off with that mindset. For whoever's oh, I don't. every everyone I, watching, just don't do it. I, I'm gonna I, do I it. I can't to. help myself. Um <laughs> I'll go with this. Get good sleep. Get enough sleep in your life. Go to bed early. Um it's good for you. It's good for the universe. It's good for the environment. It's good for, you know, the human race for us to all just get a little bit better sleep. Okay. Well, as always, go Nuggets. Uh, this is Ray signing out for Peter and Jarrett. Jarrett, you're smartly not on Twitter. Peter, Bucketsons88, Ray, Solar Rays, and we are out.